This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C., and a political commentator for news radio stations WGN in Chicago and KNX in Los Angeles. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon. I also want to welcome our new streaming partner, NRM Streamcast, to the show. NRM uh, Streamcast uh, broadcasts the Leslie Marshall Show and Deadline DC simultaneously to desktops, mobile devices, uh, podcasts, and smart TVs. This week will be a big week in Democratic presidential politics. Tomorrow, the Democrats will debate in Charleston, South Carolina, a prelude to Saturday's primary in the Palmetto State. Next Tuesday is Super Tuesday when Democrats in 14 different states and American Samoa, as well as Democrats abroad, select delegates to the Democratic National Convention. Our guest today in the first half hour will be Sean Zeller, deputy editor of CQ Magazine. Democratic strategist Phil Noble joins us from South Carolina in the second half hour on the provocative progressive political panel with our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our guest, call us at 888-6-LESLIE. That's for you um, alpha-impaired people, 888-653-7543. These are the questions today on the show. Inquiring minds want to know, after his big win in Nevada, is Bernie Sanders a strong favorite to win the Democratic presidential nomination? Two, which, if any, of the moderate Democratic candidates is best positioned to stop Sanders? Three, and finally, what would happen if Bernie Sanders goes to the Democratic convention with the most 
delegates, but fails to win the party's nomination for president. We're going to uh, bring our guests now to help us answer these questions and discuss the Democratic presidential race. Our guest is Sean Zeller, the deputy editor of Congressional Quarterly Magazine. Welcome to the show again, Sean. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Always a pleasure. Okay, let's start with this. Uh, After uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, big victory in Nevada on Saturday, uh, what is he the uh, prohibitive favorite to win the Democratic presidential nomination? Or do we have too long to go to make that kind of judgment? He's definitely the favorite. Um, I think we'll know a lot more in the next week, With the, certainly on Super Tuesday. He could become the prohibitive favorite if he does very well there. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, I mean, there, he hasn't been winning a majority of delegates. He's been winning a plurality. And there's a sizable portion of the party that's skeptical of whether uh, Senator Sanders is the best candidate. And it does raise the prospect, if he's not able to secure majority of delegates, of a broker convention at which it could go to someone else. Yeah, well, uh, like you say, we'll have a better idea. Um, actually, in eight days, um, a week from tomorrow is Super Tuesday. And I believe the uh, by the end of the night on Super Tuesday, um, or maybe quite uh well into Wednesday before we know uh, get any returns from American Samoa, uh, I believe 38% of the delegates to the uh, convention in Milwaukee will be uh, chosen. So uh, we'll, have a better, we'll have a better idea at that point. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, stopping uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, many Democrats, especially in Washington, D.C., are kind of in a panic. Uh, at the prospect of a Sanders nomination. Um, I should note, though, that uh, looking at the uh, head-to-heads in the various national polls, uh, there's rarely any difference uh, statistically between uh, Sanders' performance against Trump uh, and the performance of any of the other Democrats. So, so far, there's not a a lot of evidence uh, to suggest that uh, one Democratic presidential candidate is better or worse to uh, run against Trump uh, than Bernie Sanders is. Uh, what's your take on uh, Bernie Sanders' prospects against Trump if he is the Democratic nominee? Well, I'd say that those polls that you're citing are being done before the general election campaign, during which Uh, President Trump will direct a lot of fire at whoever his opponent is. And so it's really hard to put a lot of faith in those polls that show Sanders doing well against Trump. Um, At the same time, though, I would say that the prognosticators you mentioned, who are skeptical of Sanders' ability to win the election, are the same people who are very skeptical that President Trump could win the election. And so... I, I, I'd be skeptical of the experts' opinions on this, too. The reality is we just don't know um, the mood of the country right now. Um, and we'll only find out as we get into the election season. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Uh, from what I've seen in uh, polls in South Carolina, 
Uh, Joe Biden is still in the uh, in the lead there, uh, but uh, his advantage uh, over Bernie Sanders in South Carolina has declined significantly from where it was a couple of weeks ago. So uh, this what if question is, uh, what happens if uh, Bernie Sanders manages to overtake uh, Joe Biden in South Carolina? Uh, is that a big problem for Biden for months now? Uh, his people have been telling anybody who listen that uh, Biden could survive early defeats in Iowa uh, and New Hampshire uh, because he has such a strong uh, firewall on South Carolina based on his support with black voters. Uh, but that lead seems to be slipping away in whether uh, Biden can uh, 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 hang on there in South Carolina is open to question. Uh, but what happens if uh, Joe Biden wins, uh, loses in South Carolina? Is that the end for Biden? I think he will come under a tremendous amount of pressure to get, get out of the race if he fails to win in South Carolina, where much of the Democratic electorate is African-American. That was supposed to be his firewall. If he's not able to win there... He'll come under pressure from other moderates and centrists in the party who say he's dividing the vote and he needs to get out of the way and narrow the field so that the centrists can get down to a candidate who can compete with Senator Sanders. Now, on the on the on the same front, if Senator if, if Vice President Biden wins in South Carolina, he can justify staying in the race longer, which is dividing the centrist Democratic vote four ways between. Him, Senator Klobuchar, uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and uh, former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg. And divided four ways, the centrist vote can't compete with Senator Sanders. So it's kind of um, it's a kind of a quandary if you're if you're a centrist Democrat, uh, what you think about uh, how Biden performs in South Carolina and whether him winning or losing is a good or bad thing. We're going to go to break now. Uh, when we get back from break, we'll have more of Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon and our guest, Sean Zella, Deputy Editor of Congressional Quarterly Magazine. Stay tuned. We'll have more after these messages. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is Sean Zeller, the deputy editor of Congressional Quarterly Magazine and one of our most frequent contributors. Well, Sean and I are talking about the uh, Democratic presidential race. Uh, Sean, it seems to me that uh, there is now speculation about which of the so-called moderate candidates, Democratic candidates, um, are best positioned uh, to fight uh, Bernie Sanders uh, for the nomination. Uh, Of course, uh, we have uh, three uh, moderate candidates. Uh, We have Joe Biden. Uh, We have former South uh, Bend, uh, Indiana mayor, uh, Mayor Pete, and we have uh, Senator Amy Globuchar of Minnesota. 
Now, it seems to me that one of the problems they all, and of course, <laughs> talk about missing the obvious, uh, former New York City mayor, uh, Michael Bloomberg. Now, it seems that other than Bloomberg, um, all three of those moderate candidates all have a major problem. Uh, they don't have the money to compete effectively on Super Tuesday. Uh, and altogether, next Tuesday, we'll select uh, about a third of all the delegates to the Democratic National Convention. Uh, the two biggest states are California uh, and Texas, uh, but we have a whole bunch of other jurisdictions uh, instead. So uh, the short answer is I don't know how Biden, uh, Mayor Pete, and Globeshore can uh, can uh, compete on Super Tuesday financially because they just don't have the money to run TV ads. Now, Bloomberg does. Uh, let, let's ch- so uh, which of the moderate, so-called moderate candidates do you think can, uh, is best positioned uh, to stop Bernie Sanders, if that's possible? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and not, to add to what you said, none of the four candidates have really distinguished themselves over and above the others. You, you can say something for each of them. Mayor Pete did uh, very well in Iowa. He won a, he won a plurality of the delegates there. Um, he did pretty well in New Hampshire. Um, so one might say he's the best position. Uh, Amy Klobuchar did pretty well coming in third in New Hampshire, um, and a lot of people, a lot of prognosticators, a lot of smart thinkers in democratic politics think she might be the best candidate to compete with Donald Trump, being from the Midwest, a crucial area for the Democrats to perform better this year. And then you've got Joe Biden, former vice president associated with the still very popular Barack Obama, who was the front runner going into the campaign. And Mike Bloomberg, who has all the money in the world, so each of them has advantages, but at the same time, none has really, none of them has distinguished themselves above the other four. Um, so I think Super Tuesday is going to be illuminating. If it doesn't narrow the field substantially, that only works to Senator Sanders' advantage. Yeah, it's uh, very true. Well, that, that brings us to my next question about uh, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Uh, I think, and if you disagree with me, uh, feel free to say so, Sean, that his uh, debate performance last week in Las Vegas uh, was pretty ugly. Um, And honestly, it didn't surprise me a lot. Um, I, like millions of other Americans, have watched numerous Bloomberg TV commercials uh, in the last month or so. He spent almost a half a billion dollars on it, which is half a billion as B, which is extraordinary. But I've noticed watching his ads over and over again that they're very well-produced ads, uh, very high quality and professional, except they come to a stop when he's actually in the few seconds he's on air during the 30 seconds. And, you know, he does not have um, a high charisma quota. And I think that he just sort of faded into the woodwork in the debate last week. I thought uh, the only time he really talked was when he attempted to defend himself from all the other Democrats who were attacking him. 
Um, and there was one stretch in the first hour of the debate where they talked about health care for an extended period of time. And he did not utter a single word uh, during the discussion of the issue, which is most important to Democratic primary voters. So I guess my question about Bloomberg is, uh, can he win based solely on the overwhelming power of his television ads? Well, we'll find out on Super Tuesday, but I think he faces a big problem, which is that two core constituencies of the Democratic Party not only don't favor him, but seem to despise him. Progressive, uh, really left-wing liberal voters really have a distaste for him because he's a billionaire and because of some of his policies in New York City, including the stop-and-frisk policy, which uh, was targeted a lot of young African-American men. And the second constituency, then, is African-Americans who are offended by that policy. And it's hard to see how he could unite the party without those two core groups. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I don't see it. But, uh, again, um, uh, the overwhelming presence of his TV ads everywhere. Let me ask you one more quick question, uh, Sean, before we uh, let you go. What happens if we get to Milwaukee in July? Uh, Bernie Sanders has more delegates and maybe a lot more delegates than any other of the Democratic candidate, uh, but doesn't have a majority uh, to win on the first ballot. Uh, and on the second ballot, the moderates coesced uh, with the uh, superdelegates and pick another candidate. What do you, how do you think that would play out? I think it would be incredibly risky for the Democrats in their hopes of defeating Donald Trump and preventing him from having a second term. And that's because we know that Bernie, Senator Sanders is very, um, is doing well because he has the allegiance of a significant portion of the Democratic electorate. And those people we know from 2016 are willing to vote for a third-party candidate or stay home that they will be very offended if Senator Sanders going into that convention with a majority of delegates is not granted the nomination. And without that group, how do you beat Donald Trump? Sean, uh, thank you uh, very much uh, for joining us again. I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. And as to your last point, uh, as John McLaughlin would have said, correctamundo, Sean. Uh, we're going to break now, but we get back from break. We will have more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and our provocative progressive political uh, panel with uh, Democratic strategist Phil Noble from South Carolina and our own executive producer, producer Mark Grimaldi. We'll be back with more Deadline DC after these messages. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. This, of course, is the second half hour, uh, which means uh, we will have the provocative progressive political panel. Uh, But before that, uh, let me share my thoughts with you on South uh, Nevada, South Carolina, and Super Tuesday. Bernie Sanders' decisive victory in Nevada makes him the clear front-runner in the Democratic presidential race. 
The senator from Vermont received almost half of the vote in a field with 11 candidates on the ballot. Former Vice President Joe Biden came in a distant second. The only other candidates in double figures were for the former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. The Sanders win was big and broad. The entrance poll indicated that he won a clear majority of caucus participants who were Hispanic, under 30, and very liberal. He also won a plurality of the white vote, and he finished second among African-American voters. Sanders even competed closely with Biden for the support of voters over 45 and caucus participants who described themselves as moderate or conservative. That's a pretty broad coalition. Sanders' support in the Silver State with Hispanics augurs well for his performance in California and Texas, both Super Tuesday states with large number of Latino primary voters. Next week, 14 states, Americans Abroad and American Samoa will select delegates to the Democrat National Convention. When the returns from Super Tuesday come in, approximately 40% of the delegates will have already been selected. Sanders is sitting pretty leading into the big day in California, which will send more delegates uh, to the convention than any other state. Only Sanders and two other Democratic candidates, businessman Michael Bloomberg and investor Tom Steyer, have the money to advertise broadly in the Super Tuesday contest. Unless it is a sharp reversal of his fortunes, Sanders will emerge from Super Tuesday with a clear delegate lead. The only question is whether he comes out of the big day with the majority of the delegates selected to that point. To ensure his nomination, Sanders will need to arrive in Milwaukee with a clear majority of delegates in order to win a first ballot victory. Michael Bloomberg is already plotting to round up support from Democratic insiders and support uh, and superdelegates for a second ballot coup that could prove devastating for the party's chances for success in the fall campaign against Trump. But before the Super Tuesday extravaganza next week, all eyes will be in South Carolina this week. South Carolina is a make-or-break state for Joe Biden. Polls indicate that his big lead there has shrunk significantly. For months now, Biden's strategists have told the media that the Palmetto State would be their firewall if the former vice president lost Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. Saturday, Biden will have to put up or shut up. Tuesday in Charleston, South Carolina, the Democratic candidates will debate for the 10th time. Last week's barroom brawl in Las Vegas was fun to watch, but the Democratic candidates were so intent on beating up Michael Bloomberg, they forgot the real enemy is Donald Trump. Support for the president's re-election grows as the Democratic fight becomes more divisive. The big question in this week's debate is whether the other Democrats are so intent on bringing Sanders down to earth that they let Trump off the hook like they did in Vegas. Donald Trump's biggest failure is his success in dividing America. The many Americans who oppose Trump want the next president to be a uniter, not a divider. The fractious Democratic demolition derby has not demonstrated the party's ability 
to end divisiveness and bring harmony back to American politics. Maybe no one could do that. Uh, To this point, the Democratic campaign has been an effort to stop Joe Biden. Sanders' early success has turned it into an attempt to stop Bernie. What we need is a crusade to stop Donald Trump. Establishment Democrats will need to acknowledge the power of a new generation of millennials who are taking over the party from baby boomers. The new generation Democrats need to recognize that they'll need the establishment to elect Sanders president and to enact a progressive agenda into law in 2021. Democratic success in 2020 means both sides need to keep their eyes on the prize, which is to beat Donald Trump, not simply to select a Democratic nominee. This will require the kind of give and take that Democrats have not been capable of early in the process of selecting a nominee. You can read my take on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday. Just Google muckrack.com front slash Brad-Bannon. Now it's time for the provocative progressive political panel. Our guest in the panel today is Phil Noble, who joins us from South Carolina, the site of Saturday's primary. For over 30 years, Phil has been an innovator in politics, media, education, and government. Joining Phil on the panel is our own executive producer uh, and progressive political activist, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Phil, welcome to the panel. Thank you. Uh, first, uh, to, uh, you're coming to us from South Carolina. Why don't you tell us what the race in South Carolina looks like? Well, it's, um, it's basically, I think, pretty close to a tie race between Biden and, uh, and Bernie with with Steyer sort of coming up on the outside. And uh, the, the big unknown is uh, Jim Clyburn is supposed to endorse on Wednesday, and I think he'll probably endorse Biden, which will give him a significant bump, but not uh, necessarily decisive. Uh, you know, Bernie's got the hot hand, and it's it's red hot. Um, Steyer has been spending an awful lot of money. Uh, as my daughter says, he he's written checks to every person who can spell Democratic, um, and he'll give them a second chance. Um, he's just dumping tons of money in here, and it's been been doing so for a long time. I've probably gotten two or three or four pieces of mail from him every week for three or four months. So, I mean, I think those are the, those are the, the real questions. Warren has got a huge force on the ground, uh, but I don't think, I, I just don't see it getting her into that, into the top three. Uh, but she could. I mean, I think any of the four, any of the four could end up first, second, third, or fourth, I, except for Bernie. I think Bernie's either first or second, particularly. Okay, well, that will make uh, things interesting. Um, if uh, Joe Biden uh, doesn't win, 
uh, South Carolina, and he's built up expectations so much to win South Carolina. Uh, do you think that's a mortal blow for the Biden campaign? Uh, I, I do. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I think he has been saying and his people have been saying for so long, for so long, that he's got South Carolina. It's his firewall. You know, it, I'm not sure it does him any good. If he wins South Carolina by a point or two or three, and it only lasts for three days anyway, and then come Super Tuesday, it's going to change everything. Uh, so I, I just, you know, I, and not that I would not encourage people to have been playing in my home state, but I just think that Biden raised expectations so high that um, that. You know, if he doesn't win by six, eight, ten points, then it's perceived to be, uh, you know, a defeat or at least a disappointment. Okay. Uh, Mark, let's uh, try you out, see how sharp you are today. Uh, Mark, in uh, 2016, uh, you were Bernie Sanders' supporter in the primary. Uh, and then uh, helped uh, Hillary Clinton uh, after the convention in the general election. So uh, let let me ask you a question. I asked I asked Schwanzilla in the first half hour. Um, you know, there's uh, I think all probability uh, Bernie Sanders is going to come out of Super Tuesday uh, with the big delegate lead. Now, whether he's going to have a majority of the delegates. Uh, selected uh, after Tuesday, I don't know. Uh, But if he performs very well in California, uh, which is the biggest state that has the biggest delegation to the Democratic National Convention, if he performs well in California on Tuesday, uh, he could have a real substantial delegate lead. So it seems to me that Democrats might be faced with two choices in July. Uh, if Bernie Sanders doesn't has a majority of the delegates uh, going into the first round of balloting in Milwaukee, uh, but doesn't win the nomination because he doesn't have a majority, and the Democrats coalesce around a candidate other than Sanders to stop him on the second ballot with the superdelegates, uh, what happens then? Uh, whoever that nominee might be who supplants Sanders on the second ballot, uh, would that nominee uh, be, uh, it would solve what many Democrats in Washington especially feel is a Bernie problem, but it might create an even larger problem with uh, large numbers of Bernie supporters sitting out the election or voting for a third-party candidate. So uh, what do you think would uh, happen in the uh, Sanders camp if he went into the uh, convention uh, with a plurality but not majority of the delegates? Well, I think there's a number of problems with that scenario. And, you know, just as you said, with my experience on uh, uh, volunteering for his campaign and Secretary Clinton's campaign, I have not endorsed anybody or, or, or actually chosen a candidate yet 
to first answer your question about what would happen, I think because of a couple factors, number one, I think any candidate going in with a a plurality of delegates and not getting uh, the nomination would create uh, a backlash regardless of who who that candidate is um, because of it would be some people would see it as overturning the will of the voters after a long primary season, number one. And number two, I think because of how things went down with um, the DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and what came out after uh, the convention and how, you know, Bernie was not given a fair shake against Secretary Clinton uh, in the early part of the 2016 primary season, it left a lot of his supporters, you know, sour about how things went down. And I think if this happened, they would see it as, you know, the sequel to that that first movie, if you will. And even though a lot of them see uh, Donald Trump for how awful he is, they may have the fresh taste in their mouth and be angry and make a decision that they would later go on to regret by not supporting whoever that Democratic nominee was. Um, That said, I think if, um, you know, whatever amount of voters you would lose by um, having Senator Sanders as the candidate, you know, how many how many voters, moderate voters, you would not get to support him, let's say either they vote for Trump or they vote third party or they stay home. Um, I think that part of the risk of having Senator Sanders as the nominee um is no worse than what would happen if they chose a moderate. You know, basically the negatives of choosing someone else, I think, are just as as painful and just as damaging to the Democratic nominee's chances as um, whatever negatives Bernie holds are uh, going forward. So I, I just don't see that as a realistic scenario. Unless the one caveat I will say, and you know, God forbid this happens, unless because of his health history with his heart, if there was some other medical thing that came up and there was concern around that, I think maybe you know you could see an argument that they were concerned about his health or something like that, but um, you know who knows? I, obviously, like I said, God forbid against something like that happening. That's really the only caveat I see where maybe you know someone could make an argument that it's um, due to his health. Okay, we're going to go to break now. But when we get back, we'll have more of the provocative uh, progressive political panel on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. So stay tuned for these messages and hang around for the big finish. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon for the uh, progressive provocative political panel. Joining us on the panel today is Phil Noble, who joins us from South Carolina, uh, the site of Saturday's primary. For over 30 years, Phil has been an innovator in politics, media, education, and government. His Twitter handle is PhilNobleSC. That's P-H-I-L-N-O-B-L-E-S-C. Also joining us on the panel is our executive producer, and longtime political activist, uh, Mark Grimaldi. Mark is also involved in campaign finance reform efforts around the country and philanthropic efforts for cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. Uh, let's try this panel. Uh, Phil, uh, 
In the last half hour, our guest, uh, Sean Zella from uh, Congressional Quarterly, made an interesting point. Um, A lot of the people in D.C. who are dismissing uh, Bernie Sanders' chances to beat Donald Trump, uh, many of them are the same people who said that Donald Trump uh, couldn't win the Republican nomination or beat Hillary Clinton. Sean also pointed out that uh, that uh, Americans are in such a sour f- mood. Maybe the best way to beat uh, someone like Donald Trump is with an outsider. What do you make of that argument, Phil? Well, I, before the show today, I went on Real Clear Politics and looked at the matchup between Sanders and Trump and Biden and Trump uh, in polls going back, you know, four, five, six months. And, you know, probably 75, 80, maybe even 90 percent of of them for both people were that they would beat Trump. And so, you know, these are the and and I get that and I understand polling and so on and so forth. But these are also the same people who were, you know, a week out saying there was what, you know, 87 percent chance that Hillary was going to win. So, you know, I, I don't think that punditry for me and any, or anybody else is really very meaningful until a short time out. I mean, I think, you know, I, I if you told me today that, that Trump was going to win, I wouldn't be surprised at all, at all. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think there's just so much more to, to happen between now and an election day. I mean, my God, it's an eternity. And there are 15 different issues that are come and go. And, um, but, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours, Mike Ferroli, in prognostication, he says, would you bet $5, $50, or $500? Well, I'm not sure I'd bet $5 on anybody right now. Um, yep. I think it's a tough year for Democrats. Uh, Mark, uh, what do you think about that? Art? Well, let me ask you the, this question. If Phil is right, I've looked at the same polls and, you know, Bernie doesn't really do any better or worse against Trump than any of the other candidates. So the question is, why are uh, Democratic insiders so scared of the man? A few reasons. I think, number one, um, just look at Trump and how he has crafted his social media messaging around uh, Sanders, seeming to almost support him and how he's, you know, got impeached for his efforts to sink Biden. I think it's because his own internal polling shows that uh, Biden is more of a formidable candidate uh, against him in a general election in uh, the states that will matter due to the, um, you know, electoral college. And also, I think that, you know, I I keep hearing about this, we'll see, but that they supposedly have a a treasure trove of negative, um, you know, information regarding Sanders. They're going to label him as a socialist, things they wouldn't be able to do to a moderate as effectively. So I I think that's why you're seeing, um, you know, the party insiders being afraid of a Sanders nomination. But like you said, we'll see. We will. Okay, that's all for today, folks. Thanks to my guest, Sean Zella from Congressional Quarterly, Democratic strategist Phil Noble, and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. 
I'm here Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise. Unless Donald Trump declares martial law, that is. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.